If you're a fan of big ideas, debate, and politics, check out our festival partner, Geopolitical Magazine Foreign Policy. A forum for informed debate about global affairs, foreign policy keeps a finger on the pulse of world news and political happenings. Beyond articles that delve behind the headlines via traditional reporting, Foreign Policy has so many other products to offer, ensuring that no matter how you like to engage with eye-opening content, there is a method for you. Check out their free offerings, like Foreign Policy Live, their forum for live journalism, newsletters, and podcasts. And with a subscription, unlock in-depth features and quarterly magazines, including their recently dropped spring edition, All About India. Fans of IAI will love Foreign Policy for more of the mind-expanding, insightful content that they seek. To explore their content, take advantage of an exclusive discount for IAI fans. Subscribe now using promo code LIGHT24 to save 50% and unlock access to everything Foreign Policy has to offer. Thanks for listening to this Institute of Art and Ideas podcast, bringing you philosophy for our times. Here at the IAI, we're committed to taking philosophy out of dusty books and lecture halls and into the heart of public life. If you enjoy this debate and want to carry on the discussion, or watch over a thousand more debates and talks on all the latest issues in philosophy, science, politics and arts, visit iai.tv. Remember to subscribe and review on iTunes. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, yes, gravity. We all think we know what gravity is, and I think we've all suffered its effects, um, so it's very easy to take it for granted. Why is a force that's so central to the universe and our science so elusive in its character? On my right, we have Eric Valinde, who's Utrecht theoretical physicist and string theorist. Um, on my left, uh, Frank Wilczek, theoretical physicist and Nobel laureate at MIT, and um, Laura Mersini Houghton, um, professor of physics at the University of North Carolina, and her work focuses on cosmology and the birth of universes from the multiverse. So, if I could, I think, Eric, would you, would you start and tell us why you think gravity is so elusive? Gravity exists, I mean, indeed, we can keep our feet on the ground and we sit in our chairs thanks to gravity. But what is it? I mean, is it the fundamental force uh, that we need to assume right from the beginning and then describe it? Or is uh, it possible to derive it without assuming it, I mean, derive it really from something underlying, from the microscopic? I'm saying, going to say the latter. Um, is our current theory of gravity, which is general relativity, is it really the correct theory? I mean, can we describe everything we can observe even with it? Uh, or is it only the problem with the Planck scale? I think there are more problems with gravity and also with general relativity in particular. So uh, we need a new theory to describe uh, the phenomena that we're even observing, uh, in particular in cosmology. But let me start out by saying that general relativity is very successful and it's a beautiful theory and there are many things that have been tested. I mean, the gravity waves is certainly one of the recent uh, successes. But it doesn't mean that all uh, predictions that we that are made by general relativity are correct. And I want to mention a few that are uh, troublesome. Uh, first of all, I, I mentioned quantum mechanics, but also uh, there's a problem with the value of the vacuum energy, the cosmological constant, which also has to do with quantum mechanics. Uh, then there is uh, black holes. I mean, black holes uh, are, are uh, elusive objects where there are many puzzles 
in particular uh, about the information that goes in. And, and I think people are probably generally agree that we haven't really solved those uh, puzzles. But what for me actually even stands out is that there are even observations that are not in agreement with general relativity. If we look at galaxies, we see uh, that um, the way the, the, the stars are moving in galaxies cannot be explained by simply assuming general relativity. Uh, namely, the stars are moving much too fast. The only way we can explain it and save the theory is by assuming that there is an additional amount of matter that we have not observed yet, which we call dark matter. But this is a safe way of saving it, which is assuming that general relativity is correct. And the reason is that we don't see why it should be wrong. There is no conceptual reason why that should be the case. Now, that brings me to the puzzles of uh, black holes. I mean, if you think about black holes and the way they behave, they actually are, are teaching us uh, they're actually laboratories for us. They are, they are uh, thought experiments which teach us that the equations of gravity look like those of uh, thermodynamics. Uh, the, the laws that describe heat and temperature and so on. And those we know we can derive from something microscopic by treating statistically the microscopic molecules. Well, the same is true for gravity. The general relativity equations can be derived from something microscopic. And that's the kind of theory I'm working on, is precisely describing what is the analog of atoms of space-time that we have to assume and there we go into the quantum phenomena of space-time, and there's a microscopic picture of space-time from which you can derive gravity. And then you can actually also explain the phenomena that we have, are observing in uh, galaxies without even assuming the dark matter. Hmm. Right. Frank, do you think that... Um, why do you think gravity is elusive? Well, I think gravity is elusive because no convincing experimental evidence that gets beyond general relativity has been found, nor is there any prospect of any. Uh, the people who set out to detect gravitational waves started 50 years ago estimating what it would take to, esti to uh, uh, detect gravitational waves uh, from, for instance, black holes merging. Uh, and they estimated that they would be able have to set up some mirrors to detect rip uh, warping of space-time, which is what a gravitational wave is, that would be able to detect uh, uh, motions of these mirrors that are of the size of a thousandth of a uh, nucleus, thou thousandth of the size, not of an atom, but of an atomic nucleus, was a hundred thousand times smaller, uh, over a distance of four kilometers. So when the mirrors are four kilometers away, you have to detect that kind of uh, change. And by golly, they took 50 years and surmounted difficulty after difficulty, and there it was. So that's a pretty impressive theory. Uh, it may need changes. There are <coughs> indications that the equations become singular in very, very extreme conditions, like at the center of black holes or in the extremely, extremely, extremely early moments of the Big Bang. Uh, but uh, it's easy to say gravity works well, and, but you should understand that has a lot of weight. It really works well under all kinds of circumstances. The people who believed in Newton's theory of the planets and Newton's theory of gravity uh, had an anomaly uh, much bigger than the anomaly of Mercury that was very troublesome in the early days. Uh, namely, uh, the, the planet Uranus didn't seem to be moving the right way. And so Adams, John Couch Adams and uh, Le Verrier, uh, uh, said that maybe there should be another planet 
that's a big planet that's having gravitational influences and causing this distortion of the Uranus's orbit. And they could calculate what it would take, where it would have to be, how big it would have to be. They told astronomers, look for that, and they found it. The uh, general relativity was so good to predict the orbit, the, these changes in the orb orbit of Mercury doesn't mean that uh, uh, it's... I'm not even sure what the interpretation... I mean, it doesn't mean that dark matter calls for another theory. It could very... Uh, I would argue, on the contrary, that there is... Uh, it's not just one observation that there's a deficit of mass in certain circumstances. There are many, many different kinds of observations in different circumstances, all of which are coherent with the possibility that there's a new kind of particle that makes this dark matter. I even think I know what the particle is, something called an axion. Uh, this great theory of general relativity... Uh, okay, so general relativity uh, undoubtedly is a, uh, has limitations, but another thing that I would point out is that it's a theory that's very simply formulated. The idea that you should uh, explain something simple in terms of something very complicated, I think, is a little wrong-headed. Moreover, uh, there are quantitative calculations that relate the strength of the electromagnetic weak and strong interactions uh, to the coupling, to the strength of gravity, uh, quantitative relations that indicate that they all come together so they all can be treated on the same footing as fundamental forces. And I think uh, uh, I would need a lot of persuading to ignore that circumstantial evidence. Okay. Um, Lara, um, wh wh what do you think? Why is gravity elusive? And would it, would it be a terrible thing if we had to replace... Gravity? Do I believe it's a fundamental force? Absolutely. And, and I, I think um, that the majority of, of, the, of physicists uh, do, do consider it to, to be a fundamental force. Uh, we have not succeeded so far in unifying it with the other three fundamental forces. It doesn't mean that a solution is, is not possible. Um, but the problem with gravity is that, first of all, in our daily experience, it's such a weak force that we really didn't need to bother with it until relatively recently in the, in the history of, of scientific endeavor. And um, the, the other difficulty we have since Einstein's theory came about in, in uh, the early 20th century uh, is the unification of gravity with the quantum theory. We don't have a theory of quantum gravity. There are two regimes where gravity is extremely important and is not the, the weak force that we can ignore or, or neglect in our experiments. And that is um, at, at um, the, the moment the universe goes under Big Bang inflation um, and uh, a similar system would be the, the collapse of a very massive star into one point. In both cases, if you follow general relativity to the dot, you end up with a singularity, which is a very exotic, mysterious object that quite likely is not physically there, is a mathematical solution, but, but not physically there. So in those two cases, it becomes imperative that, that we try to understand what, what uh, the force of gravity is and, and um, that, that motivates our effort in, into um, a theory of everything, a, a theory of quantum gravity and so on. Um, the, the other regime is the future of the universe because one unique feature of, of uh, uh, gravitational forces is that they are attractive. We, we knew that from uh, Newton's time. Uh, of course, Einstein almost single-handedly uh, came up with, with a very important theory of gravity. 
his general theory of relativity. But now we know that although that theory has, has been landed tremendous support, even recently with the gravitational waves, we know it's an effective theory. It breaks down somewhere. So if theory is, is a, uh, if gravity is a fundamental force, then it has to be explained by a, an extended version of general relativity, a more complete, a more fundamental theory. Whether that is quantum gravity or, or, or uh, something more radical that requires a paradigm shift, like, like the recent uh, research in, in multiverse physics, nobody knows at the moment. That, that's what motivated string theory, was, was trying to understand gravity and, and trying to fulfill that Einsteinian dream of a theory of, of everything. Instead, we ended up with a landscape in string theory. So it's not clear at the moment whether we will have that unification of the four forces in one equation that we can write in a t-shirt and that's the theory of everything. But, but um, the, so the, the other regime where, where gravity is very important is uh, the, the destiny of the universe, the future of the universe. And that is controlled by what Eric mentioned before, something known as dark energy. That brings about a um, very unusual type of, of gravitational force. And, and if you like in popular slang, it would be repulsive gravity. So um, anything that has an energy density that seems nearly a constant, either a perfect constant or nearly a, perf uh, or nearly a constant, and that's what dark energy is about, uh, will, will tend to take the fabric of space-time, a domain, a patch of space-time, and blow it up. And, and the, the force behind, responsible for this behavior, again, is gravity. Now, we know observationally that our universe is dominated by dark energy. It's, it's about uh, over 70% of the total energy density in, in the universe is dark energy. We know that in the near future, and by near I, I mean uh, that that's a, a cosmological measure of near, it can be another Hubble time. But um, in, in relatively near future, our universe will be totally dominated by dark energy. There won't be anything else left. So unless we understand dark energy and, and the gravitational force associated with it, we, we can't predict whether our universe will blow up to bits, will crunch into a black hole type, or will just continue a smooth expansion forever. Um, what is gravity? What's our current understanding <laughs> of gravity in science? so that we can understand why it's part of the universe. Um, yeah. Frank, do you, you've got a Nobel Prize, you tell us. <laughs> well, <laughs> I defer to Einstein here, that because the, 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 the leading theory of gravity, uh, which, as I said, has led to one triumph after another, is uh, the general theory of relativity. Uh, I would say that's a theory that's based on ext an extraordinary amounts of symmetry, uh, in the sense that physicists use the word, it allows lots of transformations that leave the uh, consequences of the equations the same. So the same equations govern many, many different circumstances. That way of thinking was a model for uh, the way we now understand the other forces. So, and so we, we do understand them in broadly the same kind of conceptual uh, terms, although the details are certainly uh, quite different. So you should think about gravity, start for starters, as a theory of uh, tremendous symmetry that uh, is uh, uh, not, not necessarily so different from the other forces. And so it may be a big mistake to think about gravity separately 
from the other forces. I think that's reinforced by the quantitative fact that the power of those couplings unifies at uh, a very high energy or small distance, the so-called Planck scale. That absolutely didn't have to happen. Uh, and it, it's a remarkable fact about the universe, which I think is telling us something. So uh, now one thing I sh wanted to emphasize about uh, Einstein's general relativity is how few parameters it has. I would say it has two and two halves parameters. So two, two and two halves numbers you have to put in in order to uh, determine the theory completely and get all these consequences of everything that Newton had in his theory of gravity plus uh, an explanation of why uh, uh, the force of gravity is proportional to mass uh, and, and, and so that, so that it, uh, the acceleration of different particles is always the same in response to the gravity, no matter which mass it has uh, in response to a gravitational field, the so-called equivalence principle, uh, plus black holes, plus gravity waves, plus the precession of mercury, yada, yada, you know, and so it on. It does a lot. There, it does a lot without introducing a lot of ex... It's the original theory, pretty much. They, they, now, they, now, Let me ask you a, a, yeah. a dense person's question. <laughs> mm. When we think about um, uh, electromagnetic, we think yes. of, of it being carried by certain particles. Yes, right. photons, right. So is gravity carried by certain particles? Yes, gravitons. Okay. It can be treated in exactly the so, same way. So, it sh so w w in that sense, it's just like the other particles. Because I think a lot of yes. the time, certainly when you... Well, there's, the a lot of, there's a lot of fetching about <laughs> how, how you can't unite gravity with quantum mechanics. But in fact, you can. Uh, people, uh, astrophysicists, uh, work with objects that obey the laws of quantum mechanics and have very significant gravity acting on them all the time. And it works, and it's not, no big deal. The, uh, the, the, the equations do break down in certain very extreme circumstances having to do with extremely high curvature, like in the early moments of the Big Bang or in the center of black holes. Uh, so it's, not, it's not definitely not a complete theory. However, those very extreme circumstances are very remote from uh, experimental observations. Uh, okay. Now, Eric is raising a, a well, different question, yeah. which is much more controversial, I think, and just plain wrong as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> which is the idea that gravity is responsible for the so-called dark matter. To me, dark matter is matter. It looks like matter, it quacks like matter, it waddles like matter. It has many, many properties that indicates it's matter, and I think I know what matter it is. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, um, <laughs> why do you think that? I mean, what do you think it is, and why, why do you want to rewrite the rule book, which Frank yeah. is so happy with? Okay, so, so uh, indeed, I also grew up with the idea that we have the four fundamental forces that we like to unify, and that we all think about particles and forces and, and, and space-time as being the, the three things that we think about. Now we are developing a new theory. Let me actually make an analogy. I mean, there's also a force which we call elasticity, uh, where you have an object which you deform, you pull it, and then it pulls. And then we wouldn't call this a fundamental force because we know microscopically how to describe elasticity from the properties of the molecules that make the material. And actually the, the, the mathematics of general relativity and of the theory of elasticity are surprisingly similar. They describe, uh, general relativity describes the shape of space-time and how you deform it and what the curvature does to the motion of object. And actually the mathematics is so similar that if you ask, I mean, can I derive in a very similar way 
uh, like I derive elasticity from the molecules that make the material, can I derive in the same way also the gravity equations that Einstein wrote down? And then the answer is yes. What's the significance of that is actually that, that uh, we can eventually understand what gravity is from a microscopic picture of like having atoms of space-time. Uh, but I think eventually we understand what gravity is by, well, deriving it. That, that's what's called emergence, where you don't r assume it to be a fundamental force, but you can derive it from a, a reality that it doesn't even, I mean, microscopic world, which doesn't even assume that gravity is there. It's simply a consequence of... Uh, right. It's uh, certainly logically possible that you can have different roads to the same equations. Uh, Eric mentioned the example of elasticity. You can derive... Uh, many aspects of elasticity from general principles uh, and alternatively you can work from the bottom up from what we know about atomic theory and derive the same thing, uh, you, uh, the same kind of uh, picture. Uh, the difference is that in elasticity uh, we know darn well that the that theory breaks down in many circumstances. The equations aren't particularly elegant. They certainly have no indication of unifying with the other forces. They don't obey, they don't have technical uh, properties of symmetry. Uh, they don't have massless particles in their description. They don't have spin two. They don't, you know, there's some, general relativity is not just any theory. It's a very, very special structure. So, uh, and, and as I said, I'm very suspicious of attempts to derive something so conceptually simple and pure-looking from something much more complicated. Well, uh, Einstein um, thought in terms of a geometrical skeleton of nature, and the, the way he thought, his insight, his, his uh, marvelous insight into gravity was that uh, um, heavy objects, matter, energy, whatever you stuff in, in space-time will tell space how to curve. In turn, you can forget about the mass and the weight of these objects and whatever you put in it, take them away, and now just keep your, your curved space and then allow an object to move in that space. Of course, if, if space is curved, then objects will move along curved lines. So he replaced the, the force of gravity, if you like, with, with the curvature of space-time. And, and an easy way to think about it is um, flying. If you go, say, from, from Canada to, to London, uh, sometimes you'll fly over the North Pole. So in that case, the shortest line in, in our daily experience, we, we think that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But if you think of a curved space, like the curvature of the Earth, the shortest line would be an arch. So that, that, that was uh, the, the insight Einstein had into the force of gravity. Now, is it a fundamental force? It is as much fundamental as all the other three forces that, that we have in, in uh, at least in our, that we observe in our universe, in the sense that we have promoted um, these forces into laws of nature. Uh, Newton's law for gravity, that uh, the, the force of gravity goes as inverse of distance squared, we, we take that to be a law. So, yes, gravity is a fundamental force, and, and the same for, for general relativity. We, we know that it works in, in certain distances and certain energies. The fact that it breaks down at the Big Bang or in the center of a black hole simply tells us that it's an effective theory. It's not the complete story. It's part of the story. 
so yeah, I that, that's the view. Now, uh, the, the way I, I think of Eric's work is that he's looking at the microscopic description of gravity. And unlike the, the global space-time curvature gravity relation, and, and is that needed? Absolutely, because when you look at microscopic distances, that, that's when quantum effects become really important. So if there is any hope for us to, to relate the two, that, that's one regime we should look at. Um, another reason, which is um, probably even, even uh, more important, is the relation of Einstein's theory of general relativity with thermodynamics, mm -hmm. with, with things like information and entropy, and those in turn are related to time. And, and uh, one, one of the um, important achievements of Einstein was to relate space and time into a unified object, the four-dimensional space-time. We still don't understand time, it's probably a lot more difficult than understanding gravity, but, <laughs> but in order to, to shed light into that and relate that to information, and, and the second law of thermodynamics, for example, then uh, we, we do have to search for a microscopic description of gravity, okay. because that will also help us understand gravitational entropy, which in turn is one of the huge handicaps we have in understanding things like information loss in black holes. Do you want to hear more from the world's leading thinkers? If the answer to that question is yes, subscribe to iai.tv for unlimited access to thousands of debates, talks, articles, academy courses and live events. Are you bored of the surface level news, politics, sports and entertainment coverage on your newsfeed? Go deeper, get the philosophy behind the news and get the latest big ideas from the world's leading thinkers on subjects at the core of the human condition, life, the universe and everything in between. It's free for the first month, and there's no commitment to pay, so subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level. There will be certain, certain circumstances, and I claim that indeed dark matter is one of them, where things don't work very well. And so you have to explain why exactly there, in the, in, in the, in the, in the way that the observations are consistent with, why it goes wrong in those situations. And there is a way you can do this, and it's actually related to the following fact. We've seen that, the, I mean, this was mentioned, the universe is expanding, and it indeed is related to the amount of dark energy we have in, in our universe. That's also a big puzzle we have to deal with. And the question is, I mean, we, we don't understand 95% of the energy budget of our universe. If I add dark matter and dark energy together, that's an enormous amount we don't uh, understand. We only, the laws of physics we've derived is only for this very small bit that we do see, which is less than 4%. Actually, we see only 1%. So uh, the question is, what are the laws of physics that describe the rest? And I, uh, my way of viewing gravity actually combines dark energy with dark matter in one way, where you can even explain both of them. Okay. And so, Eric, would you say your theory is wrong if people do discover the particle? That's right. So that's good. Nice. That's okay. good. <laughs> I, that's, so there is, I mean, like at least I've felt, felt, <laughs> felt, no, falsifier right. of theory. That's already right. much better than, than any I mean, right. yeah. being said about string <laughs> that's theory. That's excellent, yeah. If, if this particle exists, and if, yes. and if, well, if they can find it, it exists, yes. does this then provide the missing part of the, the current theory which... Well, it, pr it, it provides the dark the matter, matter. The dark yeah. matter, not the dark energy. One thing at a time, but it does... <laughs> it, it, it does... And I, I, and the, I, I said it briefly, but let me, let me flesh it out a little bit. The dark matter really does look like matter. It does not look like a modification of gravity. You can relate the amount of dark matter that was in the early universe 
and governs the structure of the microwave background, the details of galaxy formation and so forth, to the amount of dark matter that we currently measure around galaxies and things. And it, they agree. You can, you can measure, you can consider the mass distribution around galaxies and whether it's consistent with a particle origin. It is, et cetera. And there are many details. Uh, so it really, and, and we have my favorite, the so-called Axiom, but there are also other, many other uh, uh, candidates of conventional kinds of particles. If you work more or less conventional, if you work out how, they would have, how many of them would have been produced in the early universe, it's rough, it's the dark, it could e easily be the dark matter. If you uh, calculate their properties, they have the properties of the dark matter. They interact very, very weakly ex uh, with ordinary matter. Uh, not zero, but weakly, and that's why we can search for them. But can I? Please, yes. So I, I completely agree. Dark matter is just matter. There, there isn't uh, anything mysterious about it. The, the only problem with dark matter is that there are a few thousand candidates for it. And, and no, we but need there are only a couple of good candidates. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with only a couple of good candidates. Uh, okay. But but we when we you say a candidate for for dark matter, what you, that you mean? can always well, write. She means what I said. That I think. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that uh, it's something that has independent motivations. It's not just introduced right. to uh, address this pro this problem of dark matter. It was introduced for other reasons uh, that are very compelling in their own logic uh, and and just and, uh, has all the right properties to agree with what the astronomers have So the, the two avenues tried, I mean, the, uh, the, the dark matter came about by, by observing the strange behavior of rotational curves in galaxies. And, and, and the two avenues, it's not models, it's, it's a bunch of models in each, but the two avenues tried in the community for, for decades now are either modify Einstein's gravity so that you can curve space in such a way that you get the right rota uh, rotational curves, right. or assume that there is a very, a very heavy object there that is forcing these curves to, to be a certain way. The modified gravity approaches are they w worth pursuing? Absolutely. It's always interesting to try and find challenges and, mm. and alternatives to a theory. But, but so far, for, for a long time now, they've really failed right. to, to match up with observation. And, and that's credit to Einstein's genius that, that his theory was, is standing up so strongly. So that leaves us with dark matter being exactly that. Matter that, that talks so weakly with other particles, and that's the only reason we can't see it yet. Another thing, another thing that's worth <coughs> mentioning in this connection is that there is known kinds of dark matter. Neutrinos are particles mm -hmm. that are very, very difficult to observe. The cosmological neutrino background has never been observed directly. Uh, and they do contribute significantly to the mass of the universe. So yeah. would that and if neutrinos had been a little heavier, right. they, could very, they would have been uh, uh, comparable in mass to the ordinary, in fact, I think they are pretty comparable to ordinary matter, and to the dark matter, uh, the, you know, the, 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 op the astronomical dark matter. For a long time, uh, people uh, thought that neutrinos, in fact, before the mass was known, people thought that, in fact, neutrinos might be providing the astronomical right. dark matter. Can I that ask had you a the advantage that it was a known particle. That you really can, but can in I any case, it shows that uh, very conventional particles can have this kind of behavior. Okay. Yeah. No, so, uh, is dark matter matter? Uh, I think yes, uh, absolutely. It's because we have tried alternatives and, and we haven't done that well in that direction. What remains with dark matter is to be seen. 
So then we'll know which of, of all possible models we came up with for, for this heavy particle right. that we call dark matter is out there. Now, having said that, removing one, one mystery out of the picture, we are still left with dark energy and, and the origin of the universe and singularities in black holes and so on. And, and let's bear in mind just one thing. I, uh, Newton's theory of gravity works amazingly well even now. If we need to send the rocket to space, we don't need Einstein's theory. Yeah, yeah. Newton's theory is sure. good enough. There could very well be a very different theory. I mean, the, 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 uh, uh, for a long time, people believed in the wave theory of light, had tremendous success, explained many things, beautiful phenomena, but eventually uh, uh, limit, its limitations were seen. The thing, but the th the thing is, the, the situations where general relativity seems likely to break down, if you just do estimates, are very, very, very inaccessible experimentally. So that's, that's not good. Now maybe, the, but, but on the other hand, uh, a fundamentally new theory could give us new ideas about how the universe begins. I agree with you there. I'm not sure about the end, but the, the, how the universe begins because there the ex conditions we know from the Big Bang probably were very extreme. And so and we don't really know how to get started. Okay? We know once you get a little bit away from the origin of time, uh, our equations seem to work very well. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence. But of course, you can't help but ask, what was the very beginning? What, what, yeah. Yeah, and, and what sort of set the, set the tone for what comes later? Yeah. But, but the, the reason for that is already built into the theory. Having Newton's constant in there tells, gives us a scale at which we know the theory yeah. will break down. So, but that theory, that what I'm saying is that the scale is extremely low. I just want to bring to say something about it. Please. Okay, so indeed the general idea and that people assumed is that uh, gravity and quantum mechanics comes together at the Planck scale and this is where we need a new theory. But that way of thinking puts the fundamental scale only at the Planck scale and that would have produced, if we really would have followed the theory, a cosmological constant which is 10 to the 120 times larger than we have observed. So clearly there's something, uh, a very big number there, which is a discrepancy between how we think about yeah. the quantum gravity and what is being observed. And that's also the reason that actually the theory has two scales, not just one. It has a scale which is the Planck scale and it also has a scale which is the size of the universe. And now you may wonder what is controlling the modifications. So are we have, do we have to look at only the very tiny stuff where things go wrong or is there another scale that enters in, in terms of the, the size of the universe? Now when we look at what happens at galaxies, <laughs> When, if we ask, when do the rotation curves differ from what uh, Einstein and Newton would have predicted, it happens at one particular acceleration scale. And what scale? The one determined by the cosmological size. So you see, actually, in the data, which scale is, uh, is controlling even the deviations. And if you think about these ideas of emergence of gravity and the things we've been developing with black holes, you can actually explain that fact. And well. it naturally comes out why it really goes wrong there. So there is eventually a conceptual reason why we understand that gravity should be different in those areas. So Eric, I think that's really cherry picking the data. There are many manifestations of dark matter that don't have that character but have their own internal logic that hangs together. 
But you must have a motive. This is the so-called Moffat theory of... of uh, it's beyond my pay scale. Well, though, anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a theory that, to put it mildly, is not widely accepted. Yep. Well, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not necessarily... No, but... Well, widely accepted by people who've looked at the data. No, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I was talking uh, about the data. I'm not, uh, not talking about the theory. Hmm. And are you well, saying that is a sizable problem for the current theory? That if you would follow the logic that gravity only needs to be, general relativity only needs to be corrected at the Planck scale, you would run in that problem. That's what I'm saying, yes. So the, the, the fact that that problem uh, is there makes also the arguments that people use to say that we only don't understand gravity in those situations wrong. Right. Okay. Is it it's uh, not a <laughs> terrible thing, though, is it, to have people saying, no, people basically asking what seem like the unasked no, questions? No, scientists always have to think about what they think is, what, what they, every day you have a decision, what are you going to work on, what do you think is promising? Uh, and you have to weigh, when you do that, uh, how glorious it would be to make a, you know, what could be more glorious than showing Einstein is wrong and figuring out the origin of the universe, yada, yada. I mean, no, no, obviously it is. But, uh, <laughs> but the issue is, is it plausible? Is it likely? Are we anywhere near uh, uh, the having access to experiments, having the kinds of uh, ideas? Are there anomalies that need to be explained? And I just don't see it. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Eric, you, you think there are anomalies that well, need to be Well, of course, I'm checking. I mean, what Frank is saying, <laughs> I totally agree with. As, as physicists, we should indeed be looking at all the data, all the evidence there is from theory, and all the constraints that we have from making the theory consistent with what we know. And I'm doing this every day. It's not like I work on something where I see a discrepancy between what I do and what's being observed but and what is being understood. So for me, it's sort of a logical step following from what I know. Uh, a less glamorous <laughs> comment. <laughs> in, in, in deducing the existence of dark energy, we are actually applying yes. Einstein's theory right. of general relativity. So if I were to change that theory, I'd probably end up with something totally different. Totally different. And, 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 and not and in agreement with experiment. Yeah, and, yes. and, and, and <laughs> well, even the experiment, I have to be careful there, because even the experiment is our interpretation of the experiment, which assumes an underlying yes. theory, in, in, in this case, but general relativity. Mean. But uh, even if there was a way to decouple, to, to have a model-independent way of measuring dark energy, which I'm not aware of, but even then it, it, we are exchanging one unknown for another. Dark energy is such a huge mystery by itself that using the scale of dark energy that we can't explain to, to create certain magnitudes that will help us with gravity, I, I don't think it, it will help us it won't shed light into the conceptual understanding of gravity. So I mentioned that I think general relativity has kind of two and two halves parameters. We've discussed, I'm sorry, one and two halves parameters. We've discussed uh, one and one half of those. So the, one, the one is clearly the, the overall strength of gravity. And I claim that that beautifully unifies with the strength of the other interactions, and I don't think that's a coincidence, and I think that's very powerful evidence that the different forces are built on the same principles, which actually the current theories do feature. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the one half that we've discussed is the dark energy, and a uh, dark matter, rather, and again, I think that uh, there's the, the 
possible, a, a bold but conventional theory postulating new, with new kinds of particles that are fairly exotic but well motivated on other grounds is certainly not guaranteed to fail and, and looks very promising uh, to me. Uh, now the other second two half, the other half is this problem of the dark energy. Now the first thing to say about it, which Laura already said, is that it is a parameter within general relativity. Okay. And the observations fit very well into the theory containing that parameter. The issue is that the numerical value of that parameter seems to be very peculiar. Yes. Okay. But uh, there's a lot we don't understand about the different, different possible contributions to this quantity. And so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, I, I, you know, of all problems in fundamental physics, this is the problem I'd love to have a great idea about and solve, and maybe Eric has it, but, uh, I, it, it's, it seems to me that, uh, in going about trying to address it, I would start from the symmetries, the con uh, conceptual, that kind of conceptual universe, rather than starting, than trying to throw the whole thing overboard and start all over again. In that case, <laughs> could we agree at least that, that, that when we're occasionally hear journalists saying, well, we've just about wrapped up science, we've just wrapped up physics, it's near, we've, we've, we're this far away from a, from a theory of everything, <laughs> that those people are at least the people we shouldn't listen to. Well, you definitely shouldn't, and okay. it's not only gravity, by the way. I mean, <laughs> gravity is kind of the least of it. We don't. <laughs> On that happy note, could I ask you to join me in thanking our panelists? Thank you for listening to this Institute of Art and Ideas podcast. If you enjoyed this debate and want to carry on the discussion, visit iai.tv. Remember to subscribe and review on iTunes.